podcast. It's good to have you here, and I'm looking forward to talking about identity today. I want to start by asking you a question and giving you a few seconds to think about it. If you had to sum up who you are in one sentence, how would you describe yourself? Take a minute to think about that. We can approach this question from an almost limitless number of directions, and the answer will probably vary depending on who you're talking to. A common approach is to describe ourselves based on the things we're involved with or do. A musician, an athlete, a painter, a gamer. We use the things we like or spend most of our time on to define who we are. Often we have specified roles or titles which we can use to describe ourselves as well. We say we're a husband or a mother, a clerk, a student, a sales rep, a construction worker, or a doctor. Another way you may describe yourself is based on your personality or characteristics. You may say you're a type A personality, or an introvert, or an ENTP, or an Enneagram 2, or any number of adjectives, organized, driven, lazy, kind, smart, clumsy, and so on. I think all of these descriptions can be helpful and have their place, but it's important to be careful how we use them. First of all, we need to recognize that any simple description will fall short of encompassing our full identity. I can choose one characteristic and say I'm analytical or detail-oriented, but there are also occasions when I'm impulsive or instinctual, so it may not be true 100% of the time. It would also be incomplete because there are many other facets to who I am, like my interest in baking that's not directly connected to being analytical. Like I talked about in the episode on complexity, every person has thousands of different dimensions and characteristics, so no single one will give you a full picture of the entirety of who they are. There are lots of tests and measurements we can use to try and understand more parts of ourselves and give us a framework for understanding why we do what we do. The goal of these things being to understand our identity better. For example, the Enneagram is a popular model these days to better understand our desires and motivations and how to understand and interact with others more meaningfully. It also helps give validation that there are others who share similar approaches or ways of navigating the world, and it provides insight into why many people behave or see things very differently from how you would. With that said, I think it's also important to be careful how we utilize tests and categorizations like this. If they're used in the proper way, they can be really helpful, but if you're not careful, they can become limiting. The reason being, once you define yourself as something, you start setting boundaries and expectations for what is inside and outside of your personal range of possibilities. This is why there are different schools of thought within counseling and psychology regarding the use of diagnoses. On one hand, it's very helpful to have a name for the various pathologies and common issues people deal with, 
And it can be liberating to know that you're not alone and that there are established ways to handle your symptoms and experience relief. On the other hand, diagnoses can inadvertently cause people to think that they are inherently broken or will never be able to overcome their limitations and symptoms. They could think, I have ADHD, I can't focus or get good grades. I have major depressive disorder, I can't pursue ambitious goals or establish consistency in my life. These diagnoses can bring relief through legitimizing why certain things are much more difficult for one person than another, and that it's not through any fault of the person's intelligence or effort. At the same time, these diagnoses can put undue focus on the problem without helping move toward a solution or goal. Thus, there are a number of therapeutic approaches like narrative therapy and brief solution-focused therapy that steer away from the use of diagnoses in order to highlight the uniqueness of each person's situation and focus on solutions rather than just painting the person as a problem. The potential dangers of limiting labels are not just confined to clinical diagnoses, though. You can also see it in commonly used terms like introvert or extrovert. It's easy to use these terms as a blanket covering or chronic fate. I'm an introvert, so I can't start conversations or introduce myself to strangers. If you get too rigid with a label, you may convince yourself that it's pointless to try getting better at social interaction because it's just not who you are. Conversely, an extrovert may excuse themselves from activities like reading or meditating because they're difficult or unappealing, but there is no reason they can't get better at those things and learn to enjoy them if they worked at it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has shared a helpful illustration regarding the way these designations aren't as concrete as we often imply. He says his brother was always very shy and introverted growing up. He was a quiet software engineer that was creative and into photography, but he would mostly keep to himself and avoid speaking up. He ended up getting interested in fire spinning from watching others doing it, but he thought to himself, I'm not really the type of person that does that. He's an introvert and not the typical candidate for something as eccentric as fire spinning. But pretty soon he asked, why shouldn't I be the type of person that spins fire? So he set out a goal to learn and to eventually spin fire at Burning Man. And the next year he was doing just that. And through the process, he became an incredibly outgoing person. So much so that many people who met him afterwards couldn't believe that he was ever shy or introverted. The point is that these things aren't always as fixed as we think of them. That identity is not just discovered, it's also created. These two actions typically go hand in hand, though. The way we understand identity contributes to how we create it. If you tell yourself that you're 100% an introvert through and through, you may not even give yourself a chance to try fire spinning or public speaking or something along those lines. But if you're intentional about how you frame and understand your identity, you can make it much easier to shift your behavior and actions to follow suit. 
How we answer the question of who we are will have an effect on virtually every area of our lives because it probably reflects the ongoing messages we tell ourselves every day. The way we describe ourselves or conceptualize who we are will in a sense create our own foreshadowing for our lives. When you read a book or watch a movie, one of the early phases of the story is character development, where you get to know who the characters are. Based on what you pick up during that stage, it gives you clues about how the character will respond at each stage of the plot development, because you're expecting them to act consistently with who they are. Most stories include some element of the main character growing or learning through their experiences and becoming more than they were before, but the change can't be too abrupt where it's unbelievable and the story isn't compelling. There needs to be a common thread because we recognize people act consistently with their identity, and it feels off if their actions deviate too far from who we understand them to be. In Star Wars, we see Han Solo is a self-absorbed pilot who doesn't care much for the troubles of others and primarily looks out for himself. Even as he grows and learns to be more selfless throughout the series, he still has his characteristic cockiness and rebellious nature the whole time. In Lord of the Rings, Sam is presented as a loyal friend and helper. And even when things get incredibly dangerous, or he's explicitly told to go away, he still comes back and refuses to abandon his loyalty. In Captain America, Steve Rogers is an unwavering soldier, determined to fight for justice and do what's right, no matter what. So it wouldn't make any sense if he just gave up and said he's too scared to fight as soon as he saw how powerful Hydra was. So then, in terms of thinking about who we are, the descriptions we use can be extremely powerful. If I describe myself as lazy and unmotivated, I'll filter my future decisions through that lens and create my own foreshadowing or self-fulfilling prophecy. When I come across the opportunity to give up a free summer of relaxing to volunteer building houses for needy families, I'll already have set myself up to believe I'm not the type of person who would do that. Even if I do sign up to help but am still defining myself as a lazy person, I'll probably not give it my all while I'm working. I'll give myself permission to slack off, or I'll just subconsciously give up early because I don't believe that working hard is consistent with who I am. Being productive would seem contrary to my expectation for myself, so I don't even consider it. Conversely, if I describe myself as a hardworking student, I will approach challenges with a different mindset. When I face a difficult assignment or have to choose between putting in time to do a project well or playing video games, I'm more likely to put in the work. The expectation I set for myself is that I do what it takes to succeed. Even if I'm not actually a very good student, by describing myself as one, I'll at least take on the challenges and give them my best shot, because giving up immediately and accepting failure is not part of my understanding of myself. What others say can play a significant role as well. Simply telling someone, 
you're a good musician can be the spark that leads them to spending a lifetime writing songs and performing. Telling someone you're a failure and a mistake can stick with them for years and cause them to constantly doubt everything they do. Many celebrities and high achievers talk about a significant moment or turning point in their lives when someone told them they're good at their particular thing. For the first time, they were told they're a good actor or singer or athlete or that they're funny or pretty or smart. And they start to pursue that path even more because they realized it's something they're good at. Or maybe it's not always a singular moment. It may be a repeated instances of hearing an identity that leads you more and more towards a particular direction or path. That was true for me growing up. I am incredibly fortunate to have excellent parents and a supportive family that have always helped me see my own value and potential. They told me I was intelligent and capable and kind and many other admirable things. It wasn't just mere words or flattery, but they would point out my successes and specific things that I did that were praiseworthy to highlight who I was. This made it much easier for me to have confidence and act in a way consistent with who they said I was. Likewise, other mentors and teachers would tell me I was smart and creative and hardworking, so it was a lot easier for me to pursue college or to be diligent as an employee because that's the type of person others were saying I was. I've had the same experience with my various jobs and work history too. I've had a number of great bosses and coworkers over the years, and they dramatically helped my confidence and work ethic through their encouragements and the ways they pointed out who I was. I typically assumed I was a pretty average employee so I didn't really aim that high or take on added responsibilities because I didn't think that I was at that level. Over time of continually hearing that I was a good employee and that I have a lot to offer, I started to gain that confidence to actually take those things on. Most notably, I think of my time at Safeway, which helped me turn some corners in that area. I went in essentially feeling like a fish out of water and not really knowing what I contribute. But my supervisor was incredibly supportive and made a point to show me how much of a contribution I was actually making. My coworkers encouraged me as well and helped me realize how important I was to the team. This gave me the confidence to actually take on leadership roles that I had always thought were beyond me before. I had just thought of myself as a helper or assistant not as the type of person to make decisions and take the lead. I'm very grateful for all the ways my coworkers helped me see my potential as a leader and affirmed me once I was actually leading. If no one had said anything, I likely would have continued underplaying what I could contribute, not seeing myself as the type of person that has anything special to offer or leadership ability. Through being told that I was a valuable employee, it helped me to become an even better employee. Through being told I was a good leader, it helped me become a better leader. Unfortunately, others' words can also influence our identities in negative ways. 
I've heard far too many stories from people about how the hurtful words of their parents or peers when they were children or teens have stayed with them even into adulthood. Maybe they were called worthless or a failure or an annoyance, and they learned to start calling themselves those things as well. What you believe and say about yourself on an identity level is so important because it's the foundation for everything else. If you think there's something wrong with you as an individual, then you'll believe no matter how hard you try, you can't escape that problem because it's a problem fundamentally with yourself. If you try to change action without addressing identity to match, it won't last. You can't sustain action that you believe is fundamentally opposed to who you are. This is important for any change you want to make in your life or areas where you want to grow in. You have to expand the way you identify yourself to include the changes you want to see. If you want to lose weight and get healthier, you can't think of yourself as fat and lazy and undisciplined the whole time. If you do, then when difficulty hits, these descriptors just provide more ammo for you to give up and conclude you can't change. This doesn't mean you lie and say that you're super fit when you're not. It means that you just change the script and focus on the things you can control. You can tell yourself that you're resourceful and passionate and capable of whatever you set yourself to do. When the doubts and difficulty come, you can tell yourself that you're not the type of person that just gives up and quits. Simply telling yourself that makes it easier to follow through and act in a way consistent with who you say you are. Each of us do have a unique identity and special ways we can offer value that no one else can. So take a look at yourself and find those areas and remind yourself of who you really are. Don't settle for limiting descriptions of who you are just because others have forced those on you. Take control of your own identity and dare to try new things that are outside the parameters of how you've typically seen yourself, whether that's practicing fire spinning or building houses for your summer, exercising consistently, being a leader, or something else. Be intentional about what you include or don't include in your identity and surround yourself with people who will affirm and lift up the parts of your identity that you want to see grow and continue. Now, I'll ask you this again and invite you to think about how you respond and the significance. If you had to describe who you are, what would you say? See you next time.